The Art of Leadership Network. Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. It's Carrie here, and today on episode 523, I bring you Tim Tebow. Fascinating conversation with Tim. And today's episode is brought to you by the Art of Leadership Academy. If you would like to join a network of 1,300 high-capacity church leaders who are committed to healthier growing churches, join my membership network, the Art of Leadership Academy, today. Simply go to theartofleadershipacademy.com and by Pro Media Fire. Book your free consultation today for your custom website. Simply go to promediafire.com slash carry. Well, it's a little intimidating for me whenever I interview athletes or CEOs of sports franchises because I'm not a sports guy. Actually, there's a really funny uh, moment if you catch it in this interview with Tim where I tell him I'm not a, a sports guy and you, you got to listen to his reaction. It, it actually made me laugh. Anyway, we got Tim Tebow on the podcast today. And my goodness, he is a two-time national college football champ, a Heisman Trophy winner, a first-round NFL draft pick, an ESPN contributor, and a former professional baseball player. His latest book is Mission Possible, Go Create a Life That Counts. He's got four New York Times bestsellers, including This Is The Day, Shaken, Bronco, and Friends, A Party to Remember. His true passion remains the work of the Tim Tebow Foundation, which you're going to hear about it. And in... uh, a couple years ago, he married Miss Universe 2017, and Tim and his wife Demi Lee live in Jacksonville, Florida with their dogs. And we have a great conversation. By the way, for those of you who listen to the Craig Grishelle Leadership Podcast, Craig did an exceptional interview. We were uh, going back and forth about interviewing Tim, and I think he did a killer job interviewing Tim Tebow. So if you are not a subscriber to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, you should be. And uh, well, if you enjoy this one, you'll want to hear that one as well. We go in very different directions. So we're going to talk to Tim about being cut from the NFL, losing your identity, overcoming bitterness, his workout routine, and the joy of working in his foundation. That comes through loud and clear. Welcome to all of you who are brand new. If you enjoy this episode, leaving a rating and review makes a huge difference. It helps us get noticed. And every month, we welcome new leaders to this podcast. Now, we have never had access, as you know, to as many thoughts, ideas, or statistics as we do today. You're probably drowning in information, but as a leader, you can't make a difference by simply gathering information and data. You need to face the opportunities your church has and take action on them. So, If you're ready to join a network of 1,300 high-capacity church leaders who are committed to leading healthier, growing churches to breaking past their barriers, not just by consuming information, we have a lot of that, but by pairing it with people who will both challenge and support you, consider my new Art of Leadership Academy. The Academy brings together top-tier church leaders through courses, coaching, and community in an environment geared toward action. Joining us today will get you instant access to this network that will help your mission grow, and it costs far less than attending a conference, hiring a consultant, or even buying online courses. You can find The Academy by going to theartofleadershipacademy.com. That's theartofleadershipacademy.com, and I would love to meet you inside. I show up there all the time. Now, do you believe the adage, you get what you pay for? It's normally true in many cases, and that includes websites, but today you can choose a Squarespace or a Wix site that looks like everyone else's, or you can build something custom. And that is what ProMediaFire can do for you. They build custom websites. The process is simple. You define your strategy. They design a website that drives growth, and they maintain it for you hassle-free. So ProMediaFire can not only build you an amazing website, they can make all the changes for you, get this, every week. They can also handle your social media management, design, or video work. So yes, you can grow online hassle-free by going to Pro Media Fire. Book your free consultation today by going to promediafire.com slash carry. That's promediafire.com slash carry. Well, I'm really excited for this conversation. So here we go. A deep dive with none other than Tim Tebow. Tim, welcome to the podcast. It's been a long time coming and I'm so glad to have you. Absolutely. I appreciate it so much. I know we have so many friends in common and, you know, we just haven't ever crossed paths really. And so it's awesome to finally get a chance to hang out. Yeah, it's fantastic. And thanks for including uh, listeners in that hangout as well, which is always the fun part. So 
You you say that one of the questions you always get asked is like, what are you doing now, Tim? And you've had a lot of different careers if you think about it, because um, up until your early 20s, you kind of had a singular focus. I mean, Jesus, obviously, but football, <laughs> right? It was football, 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 multiple Heisman winner. Uh, let's talk about the last decade, decade and a half and catch people up. And this is a question that comes up a lot on the podcast. How do you figure out what your next step is? Gary, it's such a good question. Um, so for me, it's something that what I really tried to do is, is, is follow the passions that God's put on my heart and the callings that he's, I believe he's given me. And a lot of people say, well, how the heck do you know what he's calling you to do? Like, that's a hard thing, especially in the church world. We throw out calling all the time, but what does that even mean? And for me, the way that I break that down is, um, you know, what are the moments when I felt like he's pricked my heart and he's opened my eyes? And um, for me, that really started when I was 15 years old and I was in the jungles of the Philippines and I had the opportunity to meet a boy who was born with his feet on backwards. And that day changed my life because I knew um, that I had the chance to to meet that boy and fall in love with him for a reason. And, you know, because he was born with his feet on backwards, his village viewed him as less than, as cursed, as insignificant, as a throwaway. But I, I just knew God was putting on my heart, Timmy, he's not a throwaway to me and he better not be a throwaway to you. And... I, I just, I didn't know what to do, but I knew this is, Timmy, this is what you're supposed to do. And you're like, what does that even mean? I just knew that, that, you know, boys and girls like this boy matter so much and they're worth Jesus dying for. They're worth us fighting for. And so I didn't know what that meant. And, you know, I, I probably lost, you know, track a few times along the way, um, but the first thing that I did when I graduated from college was start the Tim Tua Foundation, which our mission statement is um, literally it's one of the easiest things that I've ever done because all I did was I thought about that boy. And when we wrote our mission statement, all I did was picture where he is and what he needed. And our mission statement is to bring faith, hope and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need. And so that's the first thing I did when I started college. And even though we were playing, you know, professional football and then professional baseball and then getting a lot of chances to do a lot of other, you know, amazing, fun things that has really been something that I believe is, is such a big part of my life purpose and my life calling. And it's been something we've been doing over the last decade. And so I would say that's been a big part of, of the last decade. So let's talk about the foundation, because, you know, often, Tim, that becomes the career move you make in your late 30s, early 40s, maybe your 50s. You've kind of had a good life. You've made a lot of money. You start a foundation. You do that as soon as you graduate from college. Was was that weird for people? It's like, wait a minute, you're 20 what? And you're starting a foundation? <laughs> yeah. Like what, what kind of response did you get to that? Well, honestly, um, there was some support. People were like, oh, you know... Um, I, you know, I guess that's okay. Congratulations. You know, good luck. But I will say on the other side, there were a lot of people that were critical, not of starting a foundation, but of how broad our mission statement and how broad our goals were. And I still remember right down the street from where we are right now in our offices to this day, we had the the you know uh, ceremony and cut a ribbon and blah, 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 some fun stuff. And I remember the questions I got. Well, how do you think you'll actually be successful? You're, you got to either do hospitals or orphans. You got to either do orphans or special needs. You got to do special needs or you, you got to do the throne. You can't do this. And and I just remember thinking, and I don't think I'd ever really said it before, but I said, you know what? We, we really want to trust that we serve a big God. And you know what? When you, you serve a big God, big things are possible. And I don't know how we're going to do it. And I don't know if we'll be successful, but I know that we serve a big God and I want to have a big goals because I don't want to limit my God to a Sunday. I don't want to limit my God to a steeple. I don't want to limit my God to, you know, uh, 2000 years ago. We serve a big God. And, you know, I don't know what he's got in store for us, but I do know that he loves people and he has called us and not just called. He has commanded us to also love people. And, you know, when we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, um, you know, after Jesus is done telling the, you know, the expert of the law about the Good Samaritan, he looks at him and says, go and do the same. And it is a command. In the Greek, it is a command. For us, when there is someone, you know, like that, 
um, the Samar- you know, like the man was that was beaten and left for dead. It, you know, he, he is told, go and do the same. We are told, go and do the same. And so that is what we have been called to do. When people are hurting, when they are less than, when they are viewed as cursed, when they are thrown away, when, you know, when they don't have a home, when they don't have refuge, when they don't, you know, they can't have faith, hope, and love. We know that it's our job, it is our calling, it is our command to go and do the same, to be able to provide for their needs, to love them, uh, to love them in the name of Jesus, and then get the chance to share the good news of Jesus, which is the best message ever in the history of the world. So I talk to a lot of young leaders who have a similar heart to you. They want to start a nonprofit. They want to start um, some kind of charitable thing that's going to make a dent in the world. And, you know, a lot of them don't make it. A lot of them, they start, they fizzle, they don't find support. I'd love for you to break down a little bit sort of that process of starting out. Now, you had a huge advantage. I mean, I think I told you before we started recording and our messages back and forth or whatever, like I'm not a sports guy. So it's always a little intimidating when I have a conversation like this and I have to do extra homework. That's okay. I guess I'm not one either too much. So, so <laughs> Okay, that's funny. But you know, like I, I don't, but I know as a guy who just generally followed what was happening in the news, you are all over the news. I mean, your double Heisman trophy, uh, your time in the NFL, it was like you had you only had to be a super casual observer to know that there were millions of eyes following Tim Tebow. But then there are millions of eyes following lots of pro athletes, football stars, soccer stars, baseball stars. And, you know, a lot of them, they just go off into security or, or insignificance, I was going to say. So what is it? that really helped you gain traction with the foundation early on? Or did you gain traction with the foundation early on? I think number one, just by the grace of God and opening doors. Um, And then I would say um, um, number two would be the amazing people that we get to serve. And number three would be um, the amazing team. You know, my name is on the front door, but honestly, it shouldn't be. You know, we have such an amazing team that are so called, that are here, that are amazing, that that are, 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 I mean, it truly is so many of our team's life mission, you know, to bring faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need. And and when people get to hear the God stories of what God is doing and the lives that, you know, get to be transformed and the amazing people we get to serve, um, you know, I, I feel like God's stories are contagious and people want to be part of it, not because it has anything to do with me, but, you know, because you know, it is a, you know, we all want to be part of, of something special. And so I, I think those are, are, are three things that come to mind of, you know, us in our journey. And I also want to say, Carrie, I think we, you know, made a lot of mistakes along the way. We didn't know a lot. We could have done certain things faster. We should have um, done certain things better. You know, we didn't know um, a lot. But I also think that we tried to sort of be transparent with people, you know, the whole time as we were growing and we've adapted, you know, and, and for us, it really started at the beginning with being able to, you know, our heart was that boy Sherwin that I met at 15. Sherwin was his name. And I knew we we're supposed to fight for boys and girls around the world like him. And so it started with um, with the WISH program and orphan care and special needs and then into a hospital. And we didn't know, you know, one day that God was going to open our eyes to the horrible evil of human trafficking. But along the way, you know, there's been so many initiatives that we've continued to um, to move into, not because our mission statement changed, but because our, our heart was pricked and our eyes were open to so many more needs that also was exactly what we are called to. You know, we I didn't know that over a decade ago, my, my dad was going to be preaching in an underground pastor's conference and um, uh, a remote country where, where faith isn't allowed. And, uh, you know, he, he's in this underground, you know, teaching these pastors um, how to share uh, their faith. And because it's underground, there's, you know, men that come in that with, you know, these young girls and they start auctioning them off. And so my dad sees this and he can't help. But, you know, it's one of the reasons my dad is, is one of my greatest heroes and role models is because my dad's not someone that can turn and look the other way or turn and say it's somebody else's job. You know, but he knew at that moment he was called to do something. And so he took out all the money in his wallet, which was twelve hundred and fifty dollars at the time. And um, and he purchased the freedom of these four girls. And, you know, then he calls me and he says, hey, Timmy. And I said, hey, dad, how's the trip going? And he's like, oh, it's good. And I'm like, what are you up to? And he's like, um, 
I just bought four girls. And like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not your average, you know, Monday conversation. And, um, and I said, what? And so we, my dad tells me the story. And I knew that day, even though it was just on the phone, Carrie, I knew that God just opened my eyes to such a need. And he just pricked my heart. And he said, you're supposed to do something about it. You have to answer this call. Don't put down this phone. Do something about it. Not long after I had the chance to, you know, to fly to this location. And I remember thinking like, oh, you know, we're going and this is like Taken and Liam Neeson. And there's like, you know, all this. And and then you get there and you realize, you know what? Yeah, some of them are sold by some terrible people. But the majority of these young girls were sold by their family or loved ones. And and it just opens your heart and it, it wrecks you, right? And mm-hmm. and then I I um, you know, then I start thinking, and this was you know several years of me kind of wrestling through this. Carrie, how how do you tell a young girl? Um, how do you tell a young girl what love is supposed to look like when the person that sold hers or dad? How do you tell a person? What a heavenly father is like when that's her earthly father. How do you tell someone that uh, a mom is supposed to nurture her when for one of those first four young girls, she didn't make enough money one day and she comes home and her mom boils out her eye? You know, how do you, you know, how do you tell someone? How do you, how can you reframe their, their, their view of, of what, a heavenly father of what love, of what family, of what hope, of what faith, uh, uh, of what these words that sometimes we take for granted. You know how amazing it is for the, the, the blessings that God has put in our life. And we realize, wait a second, how, how can I share with, with someone when, when, you know what, their view of what love is, is actually betrayal. And um, that's something that wrecked me for a long time. And I still want it to wreck me because when it, you know, when God wrecked me with that, he also inspired me to do something about it, you know, and, and, and so our team is working so hard in that area where, you know, just this year we were able to put up, you know, 18 more safe homes, you know, and, you know, we're, we're building and they're doing rescues and we're, you know, restoration. And there's, you know, so many of these young um, girls and boys and, you know, they're getting chances and, and, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's not because of me, it's because we have an amazing team and 23 official partners around the world that are just going out there and, and serving the least of these. But man, you know what, what crushes me every day, those, there's an estimated 40.3 million people that are trapped in one of the greatest evils in the world. And that's human trafficking. And, and most people would believe that's a, that it's actually more than that now. And you know what, that, that's something that that does wreck us because um you know every single one of those girls that's trapped in human trafficking on average it's been estimated that they will get abused 5.3 times per day so wh- so why do we have to have such an urgency is because one more day might be uh, just a, a you know, we're hanging out on a Wednesday afternoon. That's just a day where I get to talk to you. But for her, that's that's 5.3 times of, of terror, of a nightmare, of something worth us having a sense of urgency. You know, and, and Carrie, we have five non-negotiables at, at our foundation. And our third non-negotiable is we call it a rescue mission. And, and why we call it a rescue mission is because first and foremost, Jesus came on a rescue mission for humanity. Like, we don't need to get it twisted. Jesus didn't come down here to just have some dudes follow him or perform some miracles or, you know, he did all that stuff. But the greatest reason he came was on a rescue mission to rescue us from what we could not rescue ourselves from. And we need to always remember that, that we could do nothing in our time of need and he did it for us, you know? And that's why it's, the you know, the, that's why gospel is so contagious. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. But we need to also understand you know, and my pastor says this all the time. Once you've been rescued, you're on the rescue team. Mm. You know, and if enough of us realize that we're on the rescue team, meaning we're on the rescue team, that we get to be co-laborers with Jesus and get to go share the greatest message in the history of the world. And my dad would always say in markets growing up all around the world, he would always stop people and say, I want to tell you about the greatest trade in history, the greatest trade. You know, and it is the greatest trade. 
where, where, where our Savior wants to trade your sin for righteousness. It's like, wait a second. It blows your mind. It's incredible. But then also, we get to be a part of helping people in their darkest hour of need physically so that we can tell them about the greatest rescue mission that Jesus went on for them. And so that's why we call it a rescue mission. And why we also say that is because when we say rescue mission, it puts a timeline. Because when's the last time you heard of a rescue mission taking place in five years? No. (laughs) When you say that, it puts a sense of urgency. And that means right now, we don't know how much time we have. We don't know when God calls us home. We don't know how much time our neighbors have, right? That's, That's why we have to act. We have to live with a sense of urgency. You know, it's something that that, it, you know, it spurs us on as a team, as a family, because, you know, wh- while we sit here, we wait, others are hurting and we don't know how much time they have. So we don't want to live on our timeline. We want to live on theirs. That's why we say rescue mission. You know, um, I could go in a lot of different directions here, but I love breaking things down. Um, and clearly, you know, the intensity that you brought. Right, I get folks- fired up, too. Oh, you do get fired up, man. I'll tell you, it's great, Tim. Um, but, you know, the, the the intensity you brought to football, the intensity that you brought to baseball, the intensity you bring to your work on ESPN with the sports analysis you do and some of the other endeavors you do in your life. Obviously, you've got that intensity running in the foundation. But, and, and I think that that underscores what a clear and compelling vision can do. I mean, that rallies people, it attracts people, but you also mentioned some struggles. And I love talking to successful people like yourself because it almost seems unrelatable. You know what I mean? Well, of course, Tim is going to do this and it's going to have a global impact. He's going to have an amazing team. He's going to raise millions of dollars that can, can go to people in need. But you mentioned you had a couple of failures. Do you mind talking about some early stumbles or some misstarts when oh you started God, the foundation? Weird. Yeah. I mean, um, there's been, you know, in so many different areas, I mean, it could be in, um, you know, I mean, goodness, even with, um, so, you know, for our, our first hospital, which was so exciting, it was the Tebow Cure Hospital with our partners at Cure International. And it was, you know, in the Philippines. And it was so that every boy, just like Sherwin that I met, every boy and girl, you know, in the Philippines and hopefully surrounding areas could have a place free of charge to have um, get their physical needs met, emotional needs met, but also spiritual. And and so even when we're we're so excited, we're galvanizing and we're rallying people and let's do this. And for all these kids that will never get, you know, um, hope and healing. And yet along the way, we had so many, you know, steps where it was like getting stuff into ports and tracking and locations and ups and downs. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you know, and our partners at Cure were awesome and being able to figure it out. And, you know, that's one of the reasons. And I would say one of the things that we've learned along the way. And, and so it's become a non-negotiable for us is, is number four is we say there's power when we come together. And why it's so important is one, when you come together, ultimately, it's not about the credit. It's about the mission. We feel a lot of people don't work together. Mm. They're more worried about the credit than the mission. And the mission's always got to come first. But what we've learned along the way is there's a lot of amazing people doing a lot of amazing things. And we don't always need to reinvent the wheel. Sometimes we can come around other people and we can be able to um, pour gasoline on them so they can that fire can burn even brighter. You know, and sometimes there's nothing in place. And so we need to develop something, you know, like Night to Shine. You know, we didn't know anything um, like that. We saw two churches do it. And so we thought, man, this would be amazing if we could you know, spread this throughout the world. And and I'll share, you know, one setback just th- this last year because it's so relevant. But just about a year and two weeks ago, I was playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars and I was so excited. I was like, man, this is going to be a great opportunity. We're going to do amazing things. God's going to use it. You know, I just thought, hey, God opened these doors. I mean, I talked to a bunch of pastors. They thought, yeah, do it. And I was like, okay, awesome. And I'm doing it. And then I get cut. And Kara, I got to be honest, I was so disappointed. And it wasn't just disappointment. It was also, it led to bitterness and frustration and being upset. And yeah, still being able to, you know, talking to God, but really meaning it, I'm not sure. But you Mm. know, literally right at that time, literally, I think it was maybe a couple hours after uh, the news starts to break about Afghanistan, everything happening in Afghanistan. So I come to the offices and we're meeting and we have, you know, some of our teams are already on the ground and other teams are flying to get on the ground to evacuate and help people and get them into safety and, and, you know, and just 
everything with the safe homes and getting people into other countries. And so, um, you know, not long after that, I have the chance to, to get on a plane and, and, and fly to the Middle East. And I, I remember, you know, going and, and wanting to go serve and make a difference, but still being a little bitter, to be honest. Carrie and thank you. Yeah. Um, and then we're at a location, a, um, evacuee site with all the evacuees and the refugees. And I'm seeing, um, so many people that uh, I mean, are in their darkest hour of need kids that have been trampled women that are bleeding people that have been gone through a lot. I mean, it is trauma. It is, you know, certain places there's people that are, you know, passing away where we are and all these people are trying to help and help and help, but it is severe trauma. And then I remember getting on a plane and flying to another country um, so I could help our team in another country. And it was the first time in a little while where I could say, God, thank you. Thank you for letting me get cut. Because I know if I wouldn't have signed with the Jaguars, and then have gotten cut, I wouldn't have had the freedom to instantly get on a plane and fly to the Middle East. Cause I would have had something book. I would have maybe been mm. talking to you, Carrier. Right. Your calendar was open. It calendar was open because I wasn't expecting to get cut. And so I had the opportunity. And you know what I what what I was so reminded of in that moment is in my mind, I thought that it was um uh, uh God had set me up to be a Jaguar. And then it was a setback, but actually this, the, the, it wasn't a setback in my mind and in my heart, it was a setback, but actually it was just God setting me up for what he's ultimately called me to do. And in my human eyes and my flesh, and you know, it's not always bad to want to play a sport and love it, but you know what? I was letting that define me too much in the moment. And ultimately when I was flying from one country to the next in the Middle East, I, I could just say, because I remember what God had called me to when I was 15, he's stirring it up again. No, I, Timmy, I never called you to go just play a game or win a game. You're here to love people. And it's never just been about a game. And I just remember being so impacted. And this is just a year and two weeks ago. And, you know, I was just so impacted and even, you know, just needed to confess of just, I'm sorry. It was about me. And I was disappointed. And honestly, I was mad at you because I thought this is what we were doing. And then it fell through. But actually, you were just setting me up for what actually you wanted me to do in that moment. And I was so, so grateful because it also gave such purpose to the sadness and purpose to the disappointment. And that was, I know, a little sidetrack to the question you asked, but I just thought it was so relevant to, to the moment only a year ago where, you know what, sometimes we just get so caught up in what we think matters and we don't actually know what God's doing. That's why even when we can't see it, we have to trust him. We have to trust him that God, you're in control. And I don't know what's a setback. I don't know what's a comeback, but I know you're in control. And however you want to use me, please use me. And let me try to have the the vision and the compassion not to get overwhelmed with the disappointments or what we feel like are the disappointments, because ultimately you're in charge. And, and I want you to use me in those different ways. I really appreciate you going there, Tim. And to the extent that you're comfortable, I mean, you're, you're zeroing in, comfortable talking about it. Let me finish that thought. You're zeroing in on something I think every leader can relate to, which is not being cut from the NFL. I mean, not a lot of people have that opportunity, but it's like the church didn't grow like I thought I would, or I, I started a business like 70% of all businesses fail in the first five years, yeah. you know? Most of us have got setbacks, hurts, disappointments, um, disasters at some point in our background. And I mean, you've had a very successful life by many measures, but it's you've had your share of disappointments too. I mean, you know, when you win the Heisman Trophy, you think, great, I've got, what, five, 10 years in the NFL ahead of me, and that doesn't work out the way you think. You end up playing baseball for a while, which was great. But like, I wonder if you could walk us through what happened inside you when the dreams you had in your head didn't play out in real life the way you thought they might, Tim. Yeah, such a good question. I would say that 
Um, at times there's disappointment. At times there's questioning like, wait a second, God, I thought we were, I thought we were going to, you know, win some Super Bowls and, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, not exactly, you know, and, and it, it's, it's disappointing. And at times you feel one, it's easy to lose perspective on what really matters. And perspective is something that is so imp- so important and and perspective is something that is so hard to gain but easy to lose mm-hmm. and and then i would say from that of losing bits of perspective which starts there then all of a sudden your identity starts to get put in in other things and there is definitely a piece of me at times where maybe not all of my identity but pieces of it were definitely starting to identify as a football player, as a quarterback, as, you know, these things. And so when that's taken from you, it's all of a sudden, wait a second, who am I? And more importantly, whose am I? You know, and, and your identity. And when you place your identity in what you do and it's taken away, then you're, you're, you're someone that needed crutches and now I have something, I don't have anything to lean on, right? And mm-hmm. it's... It's it's just so so important that we don't place our identity in our own achievements, our own relationships, our own accomplishments, our own even um, you know our own occupations. But our identity is found in our relationship with Christ because He is you know the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His love for us will never change. And so, therefore, when our identity is based in the love of Christ for us then our identity is never going to have to waver in that because his love for us will always be the same. And while my identity is based in his scars, not mine, then my identity is something that is also going to last because I'm not defined by my scars. I'm defined by his. And so that was something that was really a molding learning process for me in that where, man, I would lose perspective. Um, You know, even especially times, you know, in New York when you're playing for the the jets and there's all this stuff going on and man it's just so so easy to think you know that it's all about this or it's all about me or it's all i got to figure this or what happens and so hard to say god you're still in control you know in the mm. disappointing moments and um and even in the high moments and it was cool certain times i've been able to look back and see different things i couldn't see in the moment and still see wow god was weaving that throughout all of it that's pretty cool yeah, it is interesting, you know, how to keep yourself. And I, I really appreciate what you're saying about identity. I heard Rick Warren say, and he's been a guest on this podcast a few times, but, you know, Rick said years ago, never put your identity in something that can be taken away from you. Yeah. And that's like, you know, your career can go, your ability to walk can disappear, your family can disappear. Like, yeah. you know, all of that. And it's really good advice. But, you know, you are caught up in those circles in professional sports, whether that was baseball or football. So take New York. You, you, as you were talking, I was thinking back to an interview I did with Terry Crews, you know, the actor who also played in the yeah. NFL for a while. And Terry said that the NFL is like prison with money. I thought that was a really interesting take. He basically said, you know, sort of gangs and, and that attitude, except everybody's rich now. Um, how did you resist the like getting caught up in the hype or were there moments where you got caught up in the hype and found you having to bring yourself back down again? Because that can happen. Honestly, you can have a church of 200 people or you can have a business with 200 employees and you think you're the man or you're the woman, you know, how did, how did that go for you, Tim? And then how, how are you managing to reground your identity throughout? Because I think it happens to all of us. Well, I think so much of it is so important in your walk and who you're able to do life with and who you let speak into your life and what you actually listen to. I think those are such keys in trying to not lose perspective because it is so easy to lose and it happens so fast. And I'll give you one example. At the University of Florida, we were blessed you know, with a lot of success. We won a national championship my freshman year, sophomore year Heisman Trophy, junior year national championship. And our goal was to to win another one my senior year and be the best ever, win three out of four national championships. And, you know, that was something we didn't shy away from. You know, we, we were striving for. And we go undefeated, number one team in the country all year. And then we 
and go 12 and 0, get to the SEC championship and lose to Alabama. And obviously it's disappointing, but I also, I also say I feel like there was a, a big piece of my identity that was lost in that game. And to make a long story short, the the next week uh, we're in Orlando for the Home Depot Awards. They give to the best um college football players around the country and you all fly there for it. And um, there's a waitress that she comes and she taps me on the shoulder in this, this, this kind of banquet room. And she's so nervous. And they're like, I'm sorry. They told us not to, to bother any of the players. And I said, no, man, it's okay. What, what is it? And she said, there's a, and I'm like, it's okay. And she's so nervous to tell me, but she said, there's, there's a really amazing young girl that she has, um, severe um, things that she's fighting. And she didn't even know how to say it. And I said, it's, it's okay, ma'am. And she said, you could tell she's fighting a, a lot of, uh, of different issues. And her and her family drove from Virginia to see you. Any chance, and we're in Orlando, it's a long way. And, and she, any chance you'd come see her? And I said, of course. So I get up and I walk to the back of the room and they open these um, big doors and he, in comes walking this young girl named Kelly Fawnett who's um, still friend of amazing friend and sort of family member with us to this day, her and her family, the Fawnens are amazing. And it's Kelly is a, um, was a young girl who um, had brain tumors, had tremors, has um, she has overcome more in her life than I could possibly fathom or imagine. And she is an incredible young girl and she's so excited to see me and, but she can barely take the next step. She's shaking so much. And she's so focused on taking the next step to get to me. And she's shaking and shaking and shaking. And, and finally, I get to her and I put my arms around her. and I give her a big hug. And she gives me this huge hug. And, and honestly, it was one of the best hugs I've ever had. She probably hugs me for a minute. And then she starts crying and I start crying. And um, her parents are right there and they start crying. And my parents are with me and they start crying. And no one's even said a word yet. And then I start um, you know, talking to Kelly and I finally meet her and I hear her name and hear her story and I'm just so inspired. And so I, I say, you know, Kelly, if it's okay with, with your parents, would would be all right if, if you'd be my date tomorrow night for the, the red carpet and the award ceremony. And uh, thankfully she said yes. And the next morning her, um, my uncle took her and her family, get her a dress and uh, they got her address, you know, to be the bell of the ball. And all of us went to dinner and then we went to the red carpet and everyone's cheering for her. And it's amazing, Carrie. It's just like the best night ever. We're just having the best time. We're laughing. We're cutting up. We're just celebrating. It's awesome. And then the award show starts and we're literally seated, um, seated row one seat A. And she's right beside me. And her family is a few seats over. My family is a little bit right behind me. And and it's just this this awesome night. And, and that night, I believe I was up for six awards, something like that. And, and they announced the first award and I lose. And I was like, ah, it's okay. It's, it's not, it's not even about that tonight. It's about Kelly. It's about Kelly. You know, they announced the second award and I lose. I was like, all right, this thing's a little bit, but it's about Kelly, the third award and I lose. And now I'm starting to get irritated. <laughs> and, and the fourth award and the fifth award and I lose. And my mom's sitting right behind me. She can tell that it's all coming back. You see what had happened, Carrie, is I was so bitter and irritated and upset because up until I was able to meet Kelly for however long before it, it was all about me. It was all about my disappointments. It was all about what I didn't accomplish. It was all about, you know, the legacy and all of the things that we lost, right? And I lost perspective on ultimately what mattered. My identity didn't come in winning or losing that game. As much as people want to make it, and we have amazing fans that will kind of make wins and losses identity, but it didn't, my identity wasn't gone in that loss. But then when I met Kelly, it all changed because for the first time, Carrie, and I don't know how long, I wasn't thinking about myself anymore. The focus wasn't on me. And then when I started to lose, it all came back. And right before they announced the sixth award, my mom's sitting behind me and she leans forward. She whispers in my ear, Timmy, you already won tonight. You just go, don't get your award till heaven. You know, what, what? she's not talking about this college football. I genuinely can't even tell you what it's for right now. But 
in the moment, it was everything, right? But ultimately, it's not. Because that night was not about any award. That night was about Kelly. And that night was about being able to love her and serve her and her family. And you know what? That's such an, she's such an amazing young girl that she has now raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to serve other people that are going through life-threatening illnesses. She's a mama bear to so many of our wish children that are have life-threatening illnesses. And she'll get their numbers and she'll call them and she'll inspire them. You know, it was one of the best you know, times of my life where I got to be inspired because my perspective went from being all about me, what I had to what I lost to now being about someone else. And so, you know, I share that is because when I think about how we lose perspective, it's most of the time not out there. It's in here because all of a sudden I'm looking inward at what I got or what I lost. But we lose perspective when it becomes about us because ultimately life's not about us. But we want to make it about us. And so I'm so grateful that Kelly on in that day was able to change my perspective from being all about me to actually seeing her that day. And I'm so grateful for that. And so I just encourage all the listeners, man, when, you know, I have with, with one of my close friends, when when something negative happens to me and in a, you know, in a very, um, you know, public setting that I, I lose a, you know, um, get cut or there's a disappointment or something just that happens. We have a um, an agreement that we're going to meet and he's going to take me and we're instantly going to go serve regardless of how I feel or what I want or what I'm going to do. We're going to instantly go serve somewhere at that moment because the greatest way that you can regain perspective is to go serve because it will automatically take you out of the perspective of life's about me. And so much of the time when we lose something, we're disappointed because it's about us. Now, it's okay to be disappointed at times, but when it changes perspective or it changes identity, then we need to change that mindset. And so that's something that we've kind of put into place as a practical tool to try to get out of those funks. I really appreciate you sharing that story and the perspective, because I know when we were talking about what we were going to talk about on this episode, you said, make sure we talk about the foundation. I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> But I can see, you know, I don't know. Have you ever read the work of Henry Nouwen? Not trying to put you on the spot. Do you know that name? I do know that name, but I haven't read much of him, no, sir. Oh, I'll, I'll send you a book. I'll send you a book. We usually send a gift to podcast guests. But, you know, Henry Nouwen was uh, very well known in academia, was sort of a rising Roman Catholic priest, and then went on a retreat in the 1970s. He died 25 years ago. Yeah, easy, 25 years ago. And uh, as his academic career rose... He was really having identity questions, like, who am I? And, you know, really. And he ended up um, moving from the U.S. and coming to Canada and living just north of Toronto at a community with uh, adults with profound special needs. Mm -hmm. And it was there that he found Jesus the most. It was there that he could take his focus off of himself. And I I wonder if there's a, a similar parallel journey going on in the life of Tim Tebow, because on the one hand, you could have it all, right? I mean, you played pro sports, you've been in and out of the NFL, you did uh, professional baseball for a long time, ESPN loves to have you on, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a pull, isn't there, Tim? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, the the most fulfilled I've ever been in my life is when we have the opportunity to serve, especially those with special needs or orphans or thrown away or neglected for those lives, it's when it's almost like God reminds me, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what's important. This is what really matters. And I'm so grateful for that because, you know, sometimes I just miss the mark and I'm stubborn and maybe, you know, and I I don't always get it. And so I need to be reminded. And so God kind (laughs) of stirs it up again and stirs it up again and stirs it up again. Um, You know, but I also think, Carrie, that's why, you know, Moses writes to the Israelites and 22 times tells them, remember or do not forget. Like, don't you think Mm. if you were the Mm. descendants of those that, 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 you know, were able to, to see what God did in you know, seas partying and all of this stuff, like you're going to tell your kids and your kids are going to tell your kids and they're never going to forget. You're going to be like, we saw this is incredible. And then they're like, mom and dad saw this and like grandpa and granddad saw this. And, you know, like this is crazy. Right. And you're not going to forget. But Moses had to remind them, 
remember, do not forget what God has done. And I have to tell myself that all the time because it's so easy to get caught up in the next and the next and the next. And we need to, first of all, look back and remember the cross, that the Mm. cross counted for us. Like the cross counted for us. That's how much we're loved. But then it's also look at our lives and, and just see how God's faithful and his blessings and how he came through because that reminds us what he's done and it encourages us of what he's going to do. Hmm. So a uh, few other questions I want to ask you, Tim. Working out, it's obviously, obviously physical fitness has been an important part of your youth, but sometimes that's easy to let go. You haven't let it go. Talk to us about your your workout nutrition regime and how that's fueling the everyday, even when you're not on the field uh, right now. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's something that's honestly super important to me, not because, um, you know, how you look matters that much, but because we're called to be good stewards and stewards isn't just of our time, talent, treasure. It's also of our, our body. I believe everything we, we eat um, or drink is either giving, you know, giving life or taking life, you know, like we can't add a, a, a day to our life, but we can't add focus to our days. We can't add energy to our days. We can't add mm-hmm. mindset to our days. All of those things are fueled by the fuel that we give ourselves, you know, and so we need to give ourselves the right fuel. And I believe stewardship is also with our body. And I'm not t- saying that everybody needs to have a six pack, but I do believe that if you know, we put in the the right fuel, then it's so much easier to say yes to the right things with our attitude, our effort, our focus, our mentality, our mindset, you know, all of that matters, right? And, you know, how could I think if I just put in things that um, aren't going to actually fuel me, how do I possibly think that I could be the best on the mission that God has called me to? Hmm. Like, you know, you still might be good, but are you going to be your best, right? And, and that's always a challenge for, for everybody, for, for all of us, for so much for me is, you know, uh, I, I just, you know, I've missed it so many times and fallen short so many times, but I want to strive to, to now moving forward to try to be the, you know, the, uh, just to be the best I can for the ones we're called to serve, to be the best I, I can for, you know, uh, to represent our savior. And I'm so far from that mess up so much on that let him down so much, you know, but, you know, you know, forgetting what is in the path, moving forward with a directed purpose, you know, and, and striving to be my best on the race that is, you know, in front of me, trying to be my best and running as hard as possible on, on, you know, the, the things that God has called us to. And, you know, that's something that, um, is so important in, in, in our mindset, our fuel, what we eat, all of those things are it's nourishment to the mission that God has called us to. And so I encourage the listeners, maybe it's to lose 10 pounds. Maybe it's to put on a low muscle. Maybe it's to just exercise. You know, there, there, there's so many studies on how exercise, you know, helps, um, you know, thought patterns. There's so many studies on, you know, on why it's so important for us to be healthy and how it prevents so much and how it, you know, there, so I just encourage, you know, everybody, stewardship is not just something we should preach from the pulpit about our our money. It's something that we should live out, yes, with our money, also with our relationships, also with all of our talent, but also in our own bodies. Hmm. What does your workout routine look like these days, Tim? Um, on a perfect week, I could lift six times. I don't always have perfect um, weeks. And so um, sometimes it can be cut down to you know, four or five. I, I love to be able to to do that on uh, on Mondays. It'll be lower body like speed and explosiveness. Tuesdays it'll be push pull. Wednesdays core. Thursdays lower body again. Friday shoulders. Saturday arms. And so that's kind of the way it's it's broken down. And you know, I I love the diet aspect of it because I think that 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 so much of our you know our um, nutrition is is based on our fuel we put into our body. And so. I'm on a, a ketogenic diet. It's a modified keto. I have a little bit more protein than most ketogenic um, people, but it's something I've been on for over a decade, and, and I love it. I just, you know, I think it's really important we eliminate so much of the bad sugars that we eat. Um, I mean, there's just I could share you stat after stat after study with that, and so I think that's really important. And when you can eliminate so much of that bad stuff, it's amazing. First of all, how how many foods that's in, and then second, you know, how much better we feel when we can eliminate so much of that. 
It's interesting, you know, I tried uh, keto for a month and that's another story for another day. And I think one of the reasons my voice still doesn't work 100% a year later, but I found, you know, peak nutrition and what you take into your body, probably the best I've felt is when I've done the whole 30, which is really interesting. But I want to talk about being in ketosis. So theoretically, if you're on a ketogenic diet, you're in ketosis most of the time. Mm -hmm. What do you you notice? First of all, can you define Uh, that for people who don't know what it is? And then secondly, go into some of the benefits. So when you're in a state of um, ketosis, it's because your body is um, very low on sugar and carbs. And so it switches from um, sugar and carbs as your fuel source to to, um, burning fat as your fuel source. And so some of the good things of that is when you get in that state, your body releases something called ketones and ketone bodies. And actually, it's pretty cool. Now, not only can you have them when you're in a state of ketosis, but actually, you know, there are companies that make exogenous ketones, um, which the chemical formula for that is beta-hydroxybutyrate, short for just BHB. And it's amazing. If you ever try it again, I would encourage you to try to take BHB because it'll really help with, you know, sometimes people call the keto fuel, uh, the keto um, um, flu and stuff like that. And so that's, that's something that some people go through, but I would you know, encourage you that that can really help. But, um, it's something that, um, I like it because not necessarily as much for my body, but for my brain, your brain, mm. what you, what you, you, you know, so many times we think what we eat just affects our body, but it also so affects our brain. And I love being able to, to follow the, you know, modified keto version because of the great fats and the MCT and coconut oil and avocados and ketones and all of that for your brain. Because, um, you know, not only do you want to, I want to be active for a long time, Lord willing, but I also want to do everything for my brain. And, you know, Lord knows I've already hit a lot of too many things with my head. And so, you know, I, I need all the, all the help I can get for sure. And that's another reason why I, I really love the diet. Okay, a couple more questions for you, Tim. What are you learning being married? You've been married for how long now? Not not two, long. A little over two and a half years, and I would yeah. say so much. I um, I think that you know it's funny. One of the things we get asked all the time is, you know, when when we first met and started dating, um, it was very um, easy to notice we didn't necessarily have the most in common, and a lot of people take that as a negative, right? And, and it's true. I mean. I wouldn't know any of her favorite songs. I can't even speak Afrikaans, you know, and, and Demi being from South Africa, she doesn't know my favorite movies. She's never seen Braveheart or Dumb and Dumber or Gladiator or The Patriot or Remember the Titans. She has seen Remember the Titans now. Um, uh-huh. And she loved it, by the way. But she doesn't. we don't know each other's favorite songs or restaurants. And that's okay because what we found out is even though we don't have that much in common, we have so much in purpose. Like, mm. what how God has designed our hearts for what we care about. Um, you know, those that are being trafficked, you know, God had pricked our heart for the same thing for the special needs. Her little sister had severe special needs before she passed away and actually was our, our matchmaker. And so, so many of the things that we're called to is, is the same. And it's like, it's, it's awesome to be able to sit down and watch a movie and laugh about it, hang out or play games. But it's so much more special and intimate and awesome when we get to go, you know, serve these babies in Africa that have been thrown away or hug these women in, you know, in Asia that nobody wanted or be able to, you know, serve all the night to shine kings and queens. And you know what? Like you, I thought I loved her when she was walking down the aisle, but then I realized, you know, especially shoot, just this February, I was watching her. We're in, um, um, one of our, our our baby homes in Africa, and she's all these babies who have literally been thrown away or just hanging on her. And I was just like, oh my gosh, watching this, I love her so much more, mm. you know. And I think it's you know being able to have things in common, awesome. Have things in purpose, so much better. It's a great way to look at it. You've also, in your book, Mission Possible, but also in this conversation so far, you've referenced your dad. And in the book, you talk about your parents. It seems like there's a very healthy relationship there in a lot of respect. Talk about what it takes to have a healthy relationship with your mom and dad at this stage of your life. I think it starts with um, just massive, massive, massive amount of respect. 
I just respect him so much. Um, my dad being my greatest hero, um, not because what my dad would tell us, but because what my dad showed us. Uh, my dad has pretty much given his entire adult life to helping people that can never do anything for him. And he's done it with such determination and in the face of such obstacles and even health difficulties. And he's just so faithful to it. And when God calls him to something, he is all in. Like, you know, it's so funny, Curious. Some people yeah. it even say to me, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so, you, you're so bold. I even got an award last year for being bold. And I literally was telling people, I am literally so far from bold. Like, you want bold? Go talk to my dad. Like, I was the kid when we go to, to a, a restaurant after a church and you know, and, and my dad would stand up and everyone could hear him pray at, at our table. And I would like scrunch down like, oh, man, yeah, he's so loud, you know, and and like I am so far from bold. But my dad is so bold and he's so bold for the gospel. and He's so bold for people and he's so bold for his family and he, he's so bold for the hurting. And, you know, it's just been it's something I've seen, not because he told us, but because I got to I got to see him live it out, you know. I got to, to see my dad, you know, in the face of people saying, if you preach, we're going to kill you. And he would tell them that God loves them anyways. In, in, the, in the face of having no money, and yet he still would give it all away. You know, in the face of, of those things, I got to watch it. And that level of respect is just so high. And so I just, he's a hero because of those things. And then with my mom being, you know, so faithful of a, of a mom with, with me and my four siblings and being able to serve us like crazy in the mission field. And then when we moved back and being able to, to see my mom, you know, sing verses to us every night and put them to, to tune so that, you know, we could memorize them easier. And I can't help but memorize them because they're to song. And so I would literally like every now and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm singing the song. How do I know this? Oh, that's right. My mom sang them to me every night. That's how yeah. I know it. You know, and and then when my mom would say, hey, don't 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 gossip. Don't say mean things about other people, you know, and then I would be like, you know how rare it is to even think back my entire life and think. I don't even know if I've ever heard my mom say something bad about someone else. Wow. You know, like and it's and so it's like those reasons are what I hold on to. I don't look back at necessarily all the teachings. I look back at all the life lessons they have. And that's where it starts is just this extreme respect for them and wanting their advice, their godly advice in there, you know, and, and I, I, I call my parents all the time just to get advice. I called my dad just the other day to say, dad, what would you do in this situation? And, um, you know, because I want their advice and, um, you know, my, my dad, you know, made us memorize the first few chapters of Proverbs when we were young and, and he made us do it. You know, he knew we all love sports and he would make us memorize a piece of it before we would play that week. And if we didn't memorize it, we couldn't play. And he knew I'd do it when we play. And uh, you dad. Know, I'm so grateful for that. I hated it at times in the moment, you know, but I'm so grateful now. And, and that's some of the reasons they're just such heroes of mine. Wow. So I got to ask you this. Who who still calls you Timmy? I've heard you reference all my, yourself. All my family. All your family. You're Timmy to your family. family. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. And, and if you're, and if you know me long enough to be around me when my family's there, you, you start to pick up, you start to all of a sudden start to say Timmy. So no one called me Tim my whole life till the media started calling me Tim. And then it was like every now and then I'd introduce it, but it was just easier. More people know me as Tim. And, but, but in sports, everybody just called me Tebow. It's just last name, just Tebow. Yeah. Tebow. Yeah. yeah it. It, it became a verb at one point too. <laughs> so there you go, Tim. <laughs> That's great. All right. So we do have uh, tens of thousands of church leaders listening. You partner with local churches. Yeah. And I, if, if there are leaders listening who want to know how to partner with the foundation, what, what do they do? How can they bring a knight to shine to their church? Yes. How does that work? Well, um, thank you for asking. Night to shine is, it's my favorite night of the year. It's actually how me and Demi met through our first night to shine in South Africa. Through She says her little sister and I say night to shine. Um, but night to shine, what it is, it's a worldwide celebration for people with special needs in hundreds of locations around the world. And we want to have it in your church. And when we're, we, when, you know, um, we really felt like God pricked our heart to do this, 
we really were like, where should we have it? And we kept coming back to the church, the church, mm. the church, the church, because we want to empower, we want to equip your church with hopefully the best night that these um, kings and queens, because every single one of our honored guests are kings and queens, every single one of the king or queen of the prom is we want the best night of their life to be at your church so that they come back on Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday, because ultimately we want to empower the church and we want your community to go to your church. And so it is just our heart that um, that we can con- connect the church with the special needs community, a community that's 15% of the world's population that is the most overlooked, thrown away population in the world. And, you know, we think that they don't have enough love here in the U.S., but man, when you go to other countries, you know, I could tell you, Thousands of stories of them being tied up, chained up, thrown away in wells and basements, you know, um, kids that haven't been let out of the house in over 10 years, you know, but in honor shame cultures where they're actually having something that honors them for the first time they would be let out of the house to be able to go to Night to Shine because it brought honor to their family. And so Night to Shine is is, is really my favorite night of the year. And if your church wants to get involved, go to timtofoundation.org you know, sign up, get a hold of us. And and we, our goal is to make it as easy as possible for every single church. So we give you a rep member that will talk you and walk you through literally everything. We send you so many gifts. We give you a manual. We walk you from um, A to Z um, and, and even, um, you know, support so many of the churches that are out there doing it. And so we want to make it as easy as possible for you to love the least, the last, the lost in your community. So um, it, you know, if, if you're interested, please, you know, contact us because we want every single boy or girl to go to being a king or a queen. And by the way, there's also not any age cap on it. So we've even had kings and queens that have been in their late 80s, early 90s. And so it's truly my favorite night of the year. Tim, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. Anything else you want to share with uh, leaders who are listening before we wrap up? I just, I just would say, I just hope that all the leaders are encouraged, man. It's, you know, it, I, I totally get so many questions you have referred to of, of Christians with setbacks or people leaving their church or different things. And I just want to encourage all the leaders that, man, it, it is hard and it can be disappointing but remember, there's a difference between your job and God's job, right? Mm. Your job is to give everything. Your job is to be a steward. Your job is to love people. Your job is to have the mindset. Your job is to stay in the Word. Your job is to bring nourishment. But God's job is the end, the one that brings the results, right? And and ultimately, remember that God's in charge. And may you might feel, you know, unequipped or ill-equipped or... Um, you know what? Our God is a, a big God that, man, he used a lot of people that felt like that in the Bible. And so don't think that you've done anything that God can't use, you know? And I just encourage you that our God is a big God. And you know, our, our God is just, I don't think he's looking for perfect people because if he was, man, I would never make that that list, you know? I'm so far from, from perfect, and but I'm encouraged when I look at the Bible because he also chooses to use a lot of people that aren't perfect. You know, but one thing I I do think that our our God is looking for is willing people, you know, so I just encourage the the leaders out there, man, that, you know, you might feel, you know, beat down or sometimes even broken or not enough or disappointed. But man, let's just be willing together as messed up fallen people. Remember that God's grace accounts for us. Let's be encouraged and you know, let's remember that God's, he's not looking for perfect. He's looking for willing and we can all be willing, you know, and it's so easy to look back and get discouraged at how many times we messed up, but you know what? We're still, we're not defined by that, you know, and we don't ever, you know, when we know Jesus, we don't ever get defined by that. And so let's just be encouraged and let's look forward and let's do it with a willing heart and, you know, an inspiration to move forward. And so, you know, my heart just, honestly, that's a passion for me because, you know, I, I know that, you know, so many people are going from church to church in different places. So, you know, just be encouraged, you know, leader, wherever you're at, that, you know what, the results aren't yours, they're God's. And you know what, you just keep being faithful. Tim Tivo, thank you so much. It's been a joy. Now, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. We'll do it again. 
If you only if you want me, I don't know. Maybe you don't. So. Oh, I want you. Are you kidding? I've, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're at time, but I, I got, I got a lot of questions. This is, this has been fantastic, Tim. Thank you, and a real encouragement. And uh, I really enjoyed connecting the dots of what really makes you tick to date, and that's very convicting, very inspiring, and very encouraging. So thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, and to all the listeners, appreciate you guys. God loves you like crazy. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We've got show notes for you over at kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 523. We've got transcripts there as well if you want to dig a little bit deeper. And uh, I would love to see you over at my website as well. Go to kerryneuhoff.com. Sometimes I listen to podcasts but never really explore everything else a leader has to offer. And we've got a lot, including the Art of Leadership Academy. If you haven't checked it out, you can be part of a growing network of 1,300 high-capacity church leaders who are committed to leading healthier, growing churches, not just by consuming information, but by pairing it with people who both challenge and support you. So join my membership network, the Art of Leadership Academy, today by going to theartoflearshipacademy.com. And Today's episode was brought to you by Promedia Fire. Make sure you check them out. They can do so much for you. I know so many church leaders who are saying, we want to get people back in the room. Let them do online for you. Go to promediafire.com slash carry. That's promediafire.com slash carry. Well, next episode, we have got Joey and Christy Spears up. I have met these guys a couple of years ago. They're fascinating young leaders. They're actually part of the Art of Leadership Academy as well. And here's an excerpt from our conversation. Hey, welcome to Gateway Church. Uh, we're so glad you're here. At Gateway Church, we have multiple services. We build disciples and we've got a good kids program. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the service. Versus somebody getting up on stage and saying, hey, welcome to Gateway Church. We totally exist. Everything you're going to see in the next hour and 15 minutes is because we fundamentally believe that a relationship with Jesus changes your life, can change the foundation of your family, and can create a brighter future. And so we just want to invite you into that. If you're, if you're new to that, welcome. If you're, you know, you're old to that, you've been doing that for a long time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Those are drastically different communication styles, talking about why they're there that morning. And I think people in the, in the congregation are going to have radically different responses to that. So we're going to talk all about marketing next time. Also coming up, Chad Veach, Brian Koppelman. Uh, we've got Annie F. Downs coming back, Nancy Duarte, Lisa Turkhurst, Patrick Lencioni, James Clear, Erwin McManus, and so much more. And if you would leave a rating and review, if this meant something to you, we would really appreciate it. It helps the word get out to other leaders. And we really appreciate everything that you have done in that respect. And if you like this episode, I have got something free for you. It's called How to Build an Influential Online Presence. It's a free mastermind where you will learn how to find your dream audience and get them to notice and engage with you. So whether you're just starting out or you've been online for years, this free mastermind will give you insight into the timeless principles that help your message and content stand out because there are literally billions of people getting their message out there. How do you stand out? Visit influencekickstarter.com. That's influencekickstarter.com. It's free and you can start building your online presence today. Thanks everybody so much for listening. Back next time with a fresh episode. And I hope our time together today has helped you thrive in life and leadership.